I got back. Oh, there it goes. One more punch. That was fantastic. What a blessing. Look forward to God working in future ways there in worship, ways to worship. God spoke to my heart. Grateful for you guys for making that happen. Uh, what a blessing today. Earlier, um, saw Charlotte and Alan and was grateful to be able to see them for a while. Um, Charlotte was in Sunday school. And we just need to continue to pray for them. There's many others that we want to lift up. This morning, uh, as we talk about expecting a king to arrive, I wanted to talk about God as we seldom talk about him, and that is as the Holy Spirit. And I want to look at a single verse, and then we're going to, we're going to just talk about God as the Holy Spirit this morning and the need for him among us. Uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 8 will be our verse, but of course we'll be going through other verses in the Scripture. But I want to ask you when you find that to stand in God's honor. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Let's pray. Lord, uh, thank you, Father, for ministering to us, Lord. And I pray, Father, that you would continue to do that. Remind us of the wonderful Holy Spirit who lives within each of your people, how there is a source of power and life and victory. And Father, may we go to the well instead of being thirsty and parched. And I pray this morning that your spirit might be open to speak, Lord, as he always brings glory to Jesus, and that's what we want to do again. Father, uh, it's that love that makes all the difference, and that's why we're here. So, Father, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts this morning. In the great name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. In Ortland, in her book about the church, talks about growing up and how they would play church, her and her friends. And they would get chairs and they would make several rows. And the kids that were shy and didn't want to be the center of attention, they'd be the congregation. But then you had the kids she called the upfronters. And the upfronters would come forward and they would lead the singing and they would preach and, and they would bounce around and said, you know, if you were good at holding people's atten- kids' attention, they'd stay for a while and watch church. And said she remembered especially one upfronter that caught her attention. It was a little redheaded girl. And she was bouncing around up on stage and she said, you know me, you have seen me, and I am the Holy Ghost. Boo! She said kids would stay and they would listen to some of the upfronters as they would speak, but Inevitably, they would leave and they would go play jacks, jump rope, or something else once they lost their attention. Uh, Anne goes on and she writes, That generation of children is now grown up, but most of them have not changed too much. Every Sunday, they still play church. They line up in rows for the entertainment. If it's pretty good, their church might grow. If it's not too hot, they drift off to play something else like yachting 
or wife swapping. The Holy Spirit appears absent. So many places where it seems that we play church instead of are the church. And there's such a vast difference in that. We are not called simply to play church. We are not called simply to show up and and then leave. We're called to be changed. And that comes as the Holy Spirit is active and is at work. As you look in this section, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, what a tough time it was for those who had followed Jesus and those who were expecting uh, Jesus to rise up and to take over and to bring in a kingdom. Instead, they watched him go to a cross. Instead, they watched what appeared to be defeat and hopelessness. But Jesus spoke to those disciples and he said, I'm going to go away, but I am going to send a comforter. I'm going to send one to come along beside you. I'm going to send one to teach you all things, to reveal myself to you, the Holy Spirit. We speak about God the Father and and we have dads. And so we have some concept of that. So we think, you know, what's a father? And we have some idea when we think of sons. A son wanting to carry out his father's wishes as we think about the Son of God, the Heavenly Father. But the Holy Spirit, it's hard to grasp the Holy Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit about? And, And it seems like we often lose sight of what used to be so key among the church in just basic understanding of His truth. And I want to read to you just from the Apostles' Creed and how foreign it almost seems to many today. It says, I believe in God the Father Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth. He is a Creator. And in Jesus Christ, His Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He had descended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost. You know, as I read through that, and it read about those basic beliefs of the Father and the Son... Conceived by the Holy Ghost, uh, he, he suffered, crucified, died, went to hell, ascended. And then I read this part, I thought as a kid, you know, you read this, he says, he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I thought, well, you know, if, if you're a kid, what, what would that be like? I mean, does, does that mean um, unless you're quick, you're dead? And so you better learn how to run fast? Or, you know, the way we talk is just different. How seldom we use that word in, in that way. And then he says, I believe in the Holy Ghost. And then when we use the word ghost, what comes to mind is, is what's been programmed in our heads. When we think about ghosts, I think if we watch that show Ghost Whisperer that often spoke about ghosts who had issues that needed to be resolved and needed to be settled so they could go into the light and so that they could be at peace. And so we hear that word ghost, that's holy. Is it a God that's unsettled? Is it not at all? Is it some apparition that, that that's a spirit that just wanders around? 
No, the Bible says clearly that the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is not an it, but a person with emotions, with a will, and is key to the church. If we are going to stop playing church and be the church, we cannot do it apart from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit must live within the people of God. And and we're going to look this morning... As we go through, we just want to spend a little bit of time talking about who the Holy Spirit is this morning. That is so key. They felt defeated they, in the early church when Jesus was placed within that tomb and in that grave. But God was going to cut loose and he was going to work. And he was going to give power to his people, to the church, to move from outside of a meeting place to touch a world and to change people's lives. You know, it's interesting, Jesus, as he talked about in Matthew 16, he said that the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. Now, when was the last time in a battle, in any movie, you saw someone being attacked by a gate? Gates don't tend to be very uh, intimidating warriors. What is the word there? That The truth is simply this, that God is totally victorious. They can't even be released from the prison without God being in charge, without God on His throne. There is power there as the Holy Spirit leads. Um, we can see. I'm going to look in First uh, Corinthians chapter 2 as we look at just how key the Holy Spirit is in understanding God's truth and who He is. I'm going to start at verse 6. He says, we do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. It is a wisdom that was before time was even put in place. It was a wisdom placed there by God. Now, how is that wisdom revealed? How is that wisdom gained by us who desperately need to know God and desperately need His power in our lives, who desperately need the Lord? What we go on as we read, verse 8, he says, None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived, what God has prepared for those who love Him. Now, notice verse 10. But God has revealed it to us by His Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? You know, this idea of trying to read each other's minds, we don't know what the, each other is thinking. But we have someone who tells us God's thoughts, God's heart, and it's God Himself. He says, uh, verse 11, the same way no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We've not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who's from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words as He speaks to us. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. They're foolishness to him. He cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual man makes judgments about all things, but he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. For who has known the mind of the Lord that 
he may instruct him. But we have the mind of Christ. That's the Holy Spirit who makes the mind of Christ come alive and teaches the great truths of God before us. As the Holy Spirit works, the thoughts that come into our head are directed toward God through the work of the Holy Spirit so that we may become new people set apart for serving God in His glory. Now, what is the role of the Holy Spirit? How does He work? I want to spend, we could spend a lot of time on this, but I just want to look at a couple of these as we uh, go through the remainder of the message. Turn me to Titus chapter 3, verse 5. great verse of scripture uh, actually I'm going to start at verse 4 it says but when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared he saved us not because of righteous things we had done but because of his mercy he saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit whom He poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Notice the work of the Holy Spirit there, watching rebirth. John 3, verse 3 says, Unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. We need to be made new people. We need to be changed, not from the outside in, but from the inside out. And that comes by the Holy Spirit making us new, changing us. 2 Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. That's the work of God. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Guys, and that is pivotal to a real change happening. It's not about being changed from the outside in, but from the inside out as he works within us, as he takes the old wreck and he does more than just a, a paint job as he changes us thoroughly, as he takes that old nature that's corrupt and through God he makes new as he said to Nicodemus, he said, That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto you, you must be born again. I want to read to you. This is from Spurgeon's writings. He said, The old nature received at birth is hopeless. Dressing it up with education and culture only makes it more dangerous than before. The more we work on the old man, the more deceptive it becomes. Do you know why the sinner must be born anew? Because he was born all wrong the first time. He doesn't have to be taught to go his own way. It comes naturally to him. But by the new birth, he's turned around and headed in the right direction. There's a missionary who visited a primitive hut and became nauseated by the filthy floor on which he had to sit. He suggested to his host they scrub the dirty surface with soap and water. But the man replied, The floor's just clay, packed down and dry. Add water to it, it turns to mud. The more you try to wash it, the worse the mess becomes. Spurgeon writes, Yes, the hut needed something besides an earthen floor. So it is with the human heart. It's hard and dirty and nothing will help it. Man needs a new heart. He must be born from above, which is the work of the Spirit. Now, what else does the Spirit do? I want you to see how He, he changes us. Uh, turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Starting at verse 12, he says, The body's a unit, though it made up of many parts, 
though all parts are many, they form one body. Hey, we're all different, but we matter in the body of Christ. No matter our role, we matter. He says, so it is with Christ, for we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. That term baptized, the word literally means to dip, and it was used in the old dry cleaning business of that day where the very fabric was changed when the cleaner was used. The fabric became something new, something different. And, of course, the word picture there is that when the Holy Spirit brings us into the family of God, we become different. We become new. We become part of the body of Christ. We are identified with Jesus Christ through that work of the Holy Spirit. No matter where you've been, when you come to Jesus Christ, you're at the same place the rest of the family of God lives. You're part of His family. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. That's what He does, guys. He changes us. And that's forever. Look at, uh, turn me to Ephesians chapter 1. Starting at verse, at verse 13, he says, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. One day we will be directly within his presence, but for now we have a deposit. We have a seal that shows that we are his forever, and that is the Holy Spirit that's been given to us. A great example of this in the scriptures is remember Noah, and as he as he preached, and he tried desperately for to get the message that people would just turn to God, that there was hope, that there was an ark that was being built, and they could enter the ark and they would be safe because judgment was coming as water would cover the earth. He preached, they all thought Noah was a nut. But he had a heart, and and he offered for them to be able to come into the ark, and the door would shut, and there would be safety. But once that door shut, there was no way to get in. Now, you know, possibly somebody could have hung a peg on the outside of the ark, and some guy could have said, you know, I'm going to hang on to that peg. But 40 days of hanging on to a peg on the outside of the ark with pounding rain and storms and nothing to eat or drink, I don't think you're going to make it. Just not able, just not capable, just to hang on to the ark and to, to make it through the storm. And in that picture, guys, the Holy Spirit seals us. We are not able to hang on to God. We're not able to hang on to the outside of the ark. God puts us in the ark through Jesus Christ where we are safe, where there is a place where we know that we're secure. And and, and that's God's work through Jesus Christ. It's a place of hope that He gives to us. It's the work of the Holy Spirit that He does. And He guides us. John chapter 16 Verse 13, as Jesus makes his promise of the Holy Spirit who will, who will come. and I want you to see what he says. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you 
what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. He guides into all truth. The Holy Spirit makes known the deep things of God. I can't know the deep things of God unless God tells me. You can't know the deep truths of God unless He reveals them to you. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. And to live without the power of the Holy Spirit is to be empty and to miss what God has for us. The Holy Spirit is a sign that we have truly been born again. We've been born in you. He, that seal is given to us, and it is a hope. And the question is, if the Bible makes no sense to you, if preaching is like, what, that guy's a nut, what is he talking about? Maybe you need to step back and ask, am I really God's child? Does the Holy Spirit really live within me? Because he's the teacher that, that brings it all to light, that, that, that makes it all uh, make sense. And, and that's my plea as I look at the person of the Holy Spirit. We don't talk often about the Holy Spirit and the presence of the Holy Spirit. But guys, when the Holy Spirit is grieved, when the Holy Spirit is not followed, when we are not filled with the Spirit of God, then we are playing church instead of being the church. And that grieves the heart of God. And God's call to us is to let the Holy Spirit do His penetrating work to look deep within each of us and time for a work of honesty. To let Him touch us and to work through us to resonate others' lives by using us as His tool, His instrument, as His Spirit works. As I close with those thoughts, just an example I had read uh, in my studies I thought was interesting about the work of the Holy Spirit. guy had compared it to the working of a traffic light. We're always dangerous when it comes to comparing our Christianity to any state of driving out on the highway. It's such a difficult place to live the faith, right? But uh, anyway, I have a preacher friend that said he never puts Christian bumper stickers on his car because he just knows he'd be a bad witness for Jesus. Probably probably wise. But anyway, this uh, writer, he used the example. He said, you know, at a traffic light, when the light is red, you stop. It's the time to stop and wait. And there are times when our lives... We must stop. We must pray. We must search the scriptures where resides God's truth that the Holy Spirit may reveal what we need. And then the light turns yellow. Now what happens with the yellow? You know, the yellow is the yield. It means you're getting ready to move. And he used that as a part of instinctively when the truth of God becomes alive in our lives, then we begin to to look for the promptings and the movement of the Holy Spirit at work within us so that we may be ready to move as He leads. And uh, He used the picture of, you know, the cars, a lot of cars. Now people don't even have clutches where they use those uh, transmissions. But, you know, you have, to, you have to kind of feel a clutch when it comes out, when it's going to go into gear. It, and you try to teach that, but you've got to learn to feel the clutch. As you drive, you've got you to gotta know when to take your foot off the brake. You've got to know when it's time to apply the gas. You know, something that becomes instinctive and walking in the Spirit of God, it's, it's that moment when the truth of God comes alive. You've you got to be ready to act, and that, of course, brings you to the green light, which means there's a time when it comes together where you stop, you've prayed, you've sought God through His Word, um, and, 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 and then you've been ready to act, and suddenly... God gives that green light and says, it's time to go. 
And so often we think, well, God, when are you going to work? And, and guys, many times he's been working. And it's just we weren't aware of the fact that he has been working in our lives and through our lives. And as we go forward, at some point when we stop, we can look back and see how he had been at work all the time in us when we follow him and we walk in him. And the call is, if we're going to do more than play church, if we're going to be the church, we have to take seriously the fact of God's spirit at work within our lives. So that brings me to a place we call invitation or response. Uh, sometimes we need to stop and ask, why am I here? Why do I go to church? What's it mean to be a Christian? Good questions. What's it mean to you? Do you know, are you familiar with the Holy Spirit? Do you know His work in your life? It all comes through Jesus Christ. If God's speaking to you, it's the Holy Spirit speaking. The Holy Spirit asking you to come to the altar to pray. The Holy Spirit may be asking you to come forward in the church and to say, I, I don't want to play church. I want to be the church. I want God to work in me. We talked in Sunday school this morning um, about the fact of how important it is not to just be in a place to meet. Uh, they, uh, Thomas was talking about a church website, Thomas and Rachel, uh, where it says the church has left the building. And how brilliant a phrase that was. The church is not a place. The church is a people. And God is calling us. How's he speaking to you? How's he prompting you to move? And if the green light comes, you come. Let's pray. Lord, uh, thank you for your spirit, God. We are so weak. But Lord, you have promised power, Lord. Not power for our own purposes or for our own advancement. Power so that Jesus Christ might be worshipped and lifted up and that lives might be set free. And so that your kingdom, Father, might, might bring glory to you. And Father, as we are here, Lord, we are not our own, Lord. If we're yours, Father, then we need to follow your spirit. Father, if uh, there is one here that has just played church for years but mm, never really received you into their lives, don't know what this seal is all about, this promise, this comfort, this director, this guide in all things. Father, I pray that if there's one here there, Lord, Bring them to you, God. Speak far more than I could ever say. Open hearts, open lives. Do your work, Lord. It's not enough for us to, Father, just tickle ears or to leave uh, feeling like we've caught a show. We want to feel like we've seen Jesus. And so I pray, Father, that you do that work as we stand, as we sing. Speak, and may we come. In your name we pray. Amen.